On this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast, I share with you some of my favorite takeaways from one of my favorite conferences. So stay tuned. Hello, nurses, and welcome to this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. My name is Bridget Sager, and I'm your host. I'm a functional nurse practitioner. I teach functional medicine for nurses to registered nurses and nurse practitioners through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine. And uh, if you heard me speak much before, you know I really love learning, and I'm always trying to learn as much as I can in my I guess you'd call it free time, um, to continue to make sure that what I'm offering my students is up to date to improve my own practice. And um, so I am often traveling, which I also enjoy to attend conferences. And so it works out justified. Um, So the, I don't, if you're not familiar, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who we, we are probably all familiar with, the father of functional medicine, um, in 2012 founded the Personalized Lifestyle Medicine Institute. And you are probably familiar with him as the founder of the Institute for Functional Medicine. And the way I look at PLMI is that it is more of this idea he had to bring together this network of healthcare providers and also researchers and industry leaders. So it's an opportunity for thought leaders to come together and share what uh, is the latest, greatest uh, research and opportunities to incorporate those findings into practice. Um, So in the fall, he has a thought leaders consortium through PLMI that is uh, in Seattle, the last few years, and I um, have been able to attend it in person the last few years. Um, I thought it would be fun to do a bonus episode and just share some of the incredible takeaways. I wanted to share five takeaways. It was a challenge to to, to condense it down to five because I was taking notes the whole time. And um, I just wanted to share a couple of the things that I thought were really incredible and that might be of interest to nurses and nurse practitioners in this audience. Um, Typically, the speakers at these conferences are not uh, the same as other conferences you might have been familiar with, like the Institute for Functional Medicine's AIC every year. Um, That tends to be a lot of uh, healthcare providers that are experts in their field, And rather, the PLMI Thought Leaders Consortium often is uh, scientists that are uh, researchers, and it is the expert in whatever the topic is. That's a guarantee. Um, So it's attended by a lot of people that are interested in, um, I wouldn't even say it's like what we're putting into practice today or tomorrow, like when we go to the IFM AIC conference, you're like getting handed exactly what to go do tomorrow in practice with your patients. Um, PLMI conferences sometimes are a little bit more um, esoteric, I guess I would say. Um, Like last year, we talked about epigenetics and the future of epigenetics in healthcare. And my brain definitely hurt (laughs) pretty badly by the end of the conference, um, trying to follow 
the the train of thought of like the expert in that topic in the entire world for you know maybe a dozen different speakers it it it's tough um and i will also say something that i think is pretty amusing about this conference is um the they are talking about topics that are so cutting edge that they often are like making up their own words and so as i'm typing notes in my phone it often doesn't understand what i'm trying to write because the terms are um being made up and i don't know if dr deanna minick makes up these words herself i think sometimes she does give credit to other people but she seems to be the queen of me not being able to type the word that she came up with into my notes without going back and telling my phone to just accept it. Um, so it is definitely a cutting edge information. And um, a lot of it applies to what I teach in the functional medicine for nurses course. And that's why I thought it would be really fun to share some of my takeaways. This year, the topic was around uh the neuroimmune connection. And so there was a lot of talk on topics like long COVID, mitochondrial health, cellular demand, um, nutrition, as, as always. Um, but uh, some health conditions that came up commonly through the talk were things like uh, fibromyalgia, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue syndrome, and all autoimmune conditions. Um, so I, I think, you know, maybe at first glance, there's not an easy connection to be seen with these, but through the conference, they were definitely all woven together in a way that made sense. Um, so I wanted to share five takeaways that, that I thought would be pertinent to my audience. Um, I wanted to start by mentioning Dr. Bland started the conference by talking about long COVID and how the news has recently been talking about this idea that they have um, uncovered this serotonin deficiency that has something to do with long COVID. They found this connection. And um, when you learn functional medicine and you realize how much biochemistry is really something to take into consideration when you're taking care of patients, you learn the pathways where different nutrients, neurotransmitters. Uh, there's so much that's going on biochemically in our body that there's pathways to consider when somebody has a health concern. One of those that we talk about in the course and we talk about a lot in functional medicine is how serotonin is manufactured in the body and that um, tryptophan is the, the precursor to that. So it can be manufactured and taken down an incorrect pathway um, where serotonin isn't the outcome and rather it's quinolinic acid. And so he was speaking to this idea that is not, not exactly the serotonin deficiency is the problem, that we're looking at this idea that it went down the wrong pathway and why. And we talk about that so much in functional medicine, the, the why we talk about that with hormone balance, right? Like, why did it get metabolized down this pathway instead of that one? And how can we optimize going down the right pathway? The analogy I like to use a lot of the time is um, if you get in your car to go home from work and you put in Google Maps that you want to go home, the app will make an informed decision as to which direction to take to get home based on the current circumstances of traffic. 
and our um, metabolism in our body is the same where maybe we would break down. Um, estrogen is my favorite example. You know, it has several pathways that it could get metabolized down. And every day it's going to look at Google Maps and decide which route to go down based on a number of circumstances. And so he was speaking to that same concept um, in regards to serotonin. And uh, I thought it was really interesting, the the reason that it can... Uh, prioritize that uh, alternative pathway where it becomes quinolic acid is um, things like stress, inflammation, infection, and immune activation. It really had me thinking about a comment um, somebody made to me recently. They were talking about scope of practice for nurses, and we were talking about a prescriptive authority. And they said, how can you treat PCOS without prescribing progesterone? And I think this is such a great concept to kind of like bring back to to what he was speaking to is that in the news, you know, the allopathic or mainstream medicine, the the mainstream news media, they're seeing this serotonin deficiency and drawing a lot of conclusions from that. But when we when we learn true root cause medicine, we know that it isn't about there not being serotonin. We want to look five steps back and figure out what happened there. Why are things going a different way? And similarly, with that concept of um, progesterone deficiency being um, the issue with PCOS, in reality, in functional medicine, we're looking five steps back and saying, why did that happen in the first place? What did the body prioritize instead? Or what pathway was disrupted that we can address? We don't have a literal deficiency of the ingredients to make serotonin necessarily. We don't have literally a, a lack of the ingredients to make progesterone or the body isn't broken in a way where it can't do these things. And it is more that the pathway is impaired and we need to ask why and go upstream and address those. So I thought he started with that example that really connected to something I was speaking to recently and I thought that was interesting. He also touched on an idea that maybe in about 50 years, research is estimating that about 50% of babies will be born via IVF. And, you know, we talk often in uh, functional medicine and in the course I teach that, um, like, the roles for nurses in functional medicine and and the, the, the great need, right? And obviously, if um, we're going to have rapidly worsening fertility rates in um, in the world, then there's certainly room for us to help with this. Um, but we also talk a lot about niches in functional medicine. A lot of my students are really interested in what role they can play in a topic that they feel passionate about. And I think that fertility and infertility are such that it's critical that we address this, I guess is what I want to say. And so the idea that people will use IVF to get pregnant and and instead we could have nurses supporting couples that are seeking to get pregnant in, in a more holistic way that can actually improve not just their lives, but the life of their baby. And a step further, you know, I, just one last thing is, you know, we talk also about this idea that the egg that's going to be the egg, right? The one that is going to get fertilized. It starts down that journey to becoming that egg maybe 10 months in advance. And so there's so many opportunities to optimize the mother's health in the meantime, the father's health in the meantime. And I think that nurses in particular are just like the perfect partners to work with people 
and increase awareness around that, right? People want to get pregnant today. But what if we educate them on that topic and have a 10-month program that we offer them where we can help them to tune up their health before they even begin to try to get pregnant so their baby has the best outcomes? And, you know, we take that back around full circle to the PLMI conference from last fall, and it was all about epigenetics and what happens to your mother before she's even pregnant with you and your grandmother and and all of your ancestors affects the outcome of the offspring. And so that brought that full circle for me also. Okay, so there were, I want to say maybe a, a dozen wonderful speakers at the conference. So um, I didn't choose based on <laughs> who I liked listening to the most because they were all really intriguing and I had a hard time choosing five. Um, but you might already know that I love listening to Dr. Deanna Minnick speak because she has such an enthusiasm for her topics. Recently, if you follow her, you've heard her talk a lot about melatonin and she spoke to that during this um, conference as well. A lot about eating with the seasons and how that informs our body. It regulates our circadian rhythm. She talked about her recent research with melatonin um, that has been published recently, um, not only for sleep, but its role in so many processes, including cellular health, immune health, brain health, heart, skin, bone, gut, even reproductive health. So if you aren't following her on social media and reading her books and definitely her um, research articles, I highly recommend that. She mentioned this idea that um, research is showing that full moon changes melatonin levels. And so it's lower like the four days before and after full moon. And there's a lot of inferences that we can draw there, but I think the jury's still out on the why for that. But interesting idea. So she has recently partnered with this company, Herbatonin, um, or they offer this product called Herbatonin um, in Symphony Natural Health. And the reason she did that is what I, I wanted to mention is the recent research has shown that approximately 75% of, of the supplements um, like, like synthetic melatonin do not contain what they claim to. And I had previously been unaware of how um, the synthetic, Synthetic melatonins have a high risk for toxins. And so um, she was talking about the idea of using phytomelatonin and being able to use really small doses for that. She had a pyramid in her slides on how to optimize melatonin, and it aligned with all of the sleep hygiene and stress reduction activities that we talk about in the course. And we have already have this toolkit of interventions in the functional medicine for nurses course. And if you're already a functional nurse, then you know this, you know, we don't, we don't need to do fancy things for people to help optimize their health. And this was a great example because the list was really things that we're already using to optimize sleep, to reduce stress, um, to bring down cortisol in the evening. But she really highlighted the impact that, you know, that cortisol and melatonin balance that focusing on optimizing melatonin levels naturally in the body doesn't just have an impact on on stress and sleep, but also all these other systems I just mentioned that they're finding more and more the role of melatonin in the body goes way beyond its role in getting us to fall asleep. Um, so I thought that was wonderful and really highlighted how important our work as functional nurses is. So I wanted to bring this back to Dr. Bland's topic I mentioned a minute ago about serotonin. And we know that serotonin 
plus darkness are key ingredients in manufacturing melatonin. So it wouldn't surprise me to see deficiency of melatonin in these long COVID patients we were talking about. Um, And then if we could consider the role of melatonin in immune health, that adds an additional interesting layer to this topic. So that's some of the wheels that were turning for me during the conference. Um, And I thought similar to promoting healthy production of melatonin that I mentioned a minute ago, we are talking about reducing stress, inflammation, infection, and supporting a healthy immune system. All these things that functional nurses and nurse practitioners are capable of offering to so many under-supported patients. So that's my thoughts on that. Third speaker that had something I wanted to share with you was uh, Dr. Kenneth Pelletier. And he is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of California School of Medicine in San Francisco. Um, He has written a lot of books and he's a really uh, sought after public speaker. But his most recent book is called Change Your Genes, Change Your Life. And he is considered an expert in genetics, epigenetics, longevity, which is a hot topic in the last few years, and personalized medicine. This concept that we activate our genes, I think, is like his take-home message for people. And he used a term that I heard one of my students mention in the last few weeks, so maybe they've been following him. He was talking about having a, a health span versus a lifespan. And... I thought that was an interesting way to phrase that when I heard it um, a couple weeks ago, and then he brought it up, and it applies even more because of the the, the simple message that I wanted to to convey that he brought up is um, he predicts that in the next ten years or so, advances in science are going to acknowledge the potential to ex- extend the human lifespan to 125 or 150 years. I know that longevity medicine and like the whole idea of of improving our potential for living not just a longer life, but a healthier, longer life. It's a big topic right now and there's the potential and just the 10 years part, you know, if we think back tech-wise 10 years ago and where we are now, where we were when I was growing up and where we are now with tech. It's really incredible. And so I can't even like process this thought right now. Like what would that, what the impact that that would have on so many facets facets of our our lives? I was thinking about my retirement, (laughs) for example, like, right, we can't just... um, retire when we're when are in our 60s I think that's what a lot of people plan to do but like saving for retirement in 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 my thought process was oh we have to consider that we might live much longer but we also might work much longer the potential burden or lack thereof if you're healthy enough to live that long I guess um on the healthcare system uh but anyway so that was just like something like just a little pearl he dropped that I am still stewing over um so I wanted to share that one with you the next one um, is Dr. Dale Bredesen. You may be familiar with him. He is um, really respected in the field of neurodegenerative diseases. He has had this idea that Alzheimer's, as we know it, is not just preventable, but also reversible. And he shared a lot of research with us, um, spoke to that topic quite a bit during the conference. Um, really exciting because I think it's one of the most terrifying things that that most of us think about uh, with the idea of us aging is our brain health and risk for dementia. And so what he shared was really remarkable But he introduced this new idea uh, that I hadn't heard of before. You may have heard before of his 
recode protocol that he uses to um, help support people suffering from neurodegenerative diseases and particularly Alzheimer's. But he recommended, you know, we we have our our guidelines. If, and if you're a nurse practitioner, you're really familiar with this. I'm sure um, the preventative guidelines, like when should we do all these screenings? And you know, we have the colonoscopy. I said earlier that my phone kind of couldn't keep up with these words that everyone was maybe creating on their own because they're thought leaders. Um, but a cognoscopy is what he recommends everyone gets at uh, once they are over age 40. So a cognoscopy, not a colonoscopy, um, is a cognitive evaluation. And it's a combination of some basic blood work, a simple like a cognitive screening that you would fill out and then if there's already any symptoms when when you've complete that screening then you would be getting an MRI that would check volumetrics so this was a new word for me I hadn't heard that before um, and I thought it was interesting and that maybe you know in the coming uh, years that's going to be something that's just a normal part of our our preventative screenings that we get done with our primary care provider so the last section that I wanted to share with you is actually it kind of covers two, two, two of the speakers. And it's on a topic that we speak to in the course, loneliness. And first, Dr. Carrie Jones, who's a naturopathic physician, she's actually going to be on the podcast soon, which I'm really excited about. She was speaking about depression, diet and the gut microbiota, which we are all familiar with. Um, but also she connected loneliness to health outcomes. And this is such an important topic and something that nurses are perfect at supporting patients with. So I really wanted to bring it up because it's being acknowledged at this like thought leaders consortium, right? It's like they're they're recognizing the impact that loneliness has on health outcomes and that we should be screening for loneliness when we're caring for patients and having the conversation and encouraging them to make connections with others. And that's actually how she's going to be on the podcast because she was talking about introverts not talking to people at the at the conference and to say hi. So I did. And she was really excited about what we're doing. And she wanted to share some of her insights with my audience. So she'll be on soon. So stay tuned. And then also on the same topic of loneliness, Dr. Maya Sheetreet um, was speaking on psychedelics, which was really fascinating and a rabbit hole I have yet to go down. But she started her talk speaking to topics that we as RNs and NPs learning and practicing functional medicine are so familiar with the impact of loneliness, trauma, the ACEs, the adverse childhood events um, that we talk about in functional medicine. Um, she talked about the impact of all of those things on health outcomes, and she really acknowledged that idea of loneliness. And the two of them were speaking of the idea of like, you know, if you ask someone who they live with, if you ask someone who they're, you know, who's in their life, you may assume that they are not lonely, but you can be married, you can have five children, you can have your adult aging parents living with you and still be lonely. And so acknowledging that as a potential, you know, I like to use if you've done any learning through my course or, or anything before, you've heard me talk about um, stressors. And I have this long list of things that, that are potential stressors. And loneliness is absolutely a potential stressor that could be at the root cause of someone health, someone's health concern. I, I thought it was really wonderful that that was acknowledged and that we're talking about these new ideas too, like the psychedelics. I can't wait to learn more about that. Overall, I, I felt like this year the whole conference was like, 
definitely connected the whole goal, right? Neuroimmune um, health conditions and and us taking a root cause approach. That all, I, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't hanging in there so desperately like I was last year with the epigenetics topic. The, honestly, the way that I felt is it was so reinforcing that we're on the right path and that nurses are so critical in functional medicine because nurses spend so much time with patients. Um, they're the most plentiful healthcare practitioner in, by by population. So much patient contact and the full scope of being an educator and a patient advocate. I feel like everything that came up in the conference, there was not talks of big fancy tests the whole time other than the cognoscopy that I mentioned. Um, there, there wasn't talk of like any fancy tests for people to have done specifically. It was really about us addressing lifestyle, the things that we talk a lot about in the Functional Medicine for Nurses course and getting to root cause for people. So that w was really heartwarming for me that I didn't need to run back and and tell my students and like change the course or anything because everything really aligned with, with what we're already doing. And then I also wanted to mention that um, Dr. Terry Wall spoke there and she had some wonderful things to share also. Um, it, I, I wrote a post about this, but she really sounded like a nurse coach. Like she was talking about ways to help get people to their goals and um, and that there's no perfect diet and like her thoughts and, and some recent research on various di diets that are effective for various health concerns. But she did want me to mention, and if you guys look at my social media, you'll see links to this in the last few days. She has a a research study that she is gathering participants for that's specifically for people diagnosed with multiple sclerosis that are willing to um, do a, a study that where we're actually looking for, you know, which diets are most effective. And if, if you know who she is, you already know why she's doing this. Um, but, you know, she healed her own multiple sclerosis, reversed her symptoms dramatically by using functional medicine practices. And she's written and shared so much about this. Um, she has agreed to be on the podcast soon, too, so I will have an episode where she's going to share more about all this with you guys. But in the meantime, if you know anybody that might be interested in being a participant, um, she is seeking participants for the study. There's information on my social media accounts for this. Also, she's going to share more about it in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. Well, I had the thought to do this um, in over the summer at, when I had attended a few conferences and I hadn't gotten around to it yet, but I'm going to try to make it a goal moving forward that I do a little like key takeaways from conferences that I attend um, in the future because I think it's fun and I really like being able, it helps me learn too, to take what I heard and translate it and share it. And so for those of you that couldn't attend, um, you got a little sneak peek of what it was about. I will say that PLMI, if you go to their website, they have a, an opportunity for you to get a membership and it's actually really affordable. And then you have access to recordings from not just this year, but previous years also. And a lot of other things that uh, Dr. Bland has created and, and um, included in the membership. And I couldn't believe how inexpensive it was considering what you get. So if you're interested in hearing the entire conference that I just spoke to, you can go on his website and, and um, join that membership and, and benefit from all of that. And then keep an eye out for what's coming up in 2024 also. Obviously, I you know, I'm really 
try to not, I, I, I'm not getting paid to do this or anything. I just really enjoyed going. And, um, and I think that what they're sharing is really aligns with what we are doing as nurses in functional medicine. So I hope that you loved this and hearing these wonderful topics as much as I did. And until next time, be well. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. If you want to help spread the word about the powerful role nurses can play as true healers using functional medicine practices, consider sharing an episode with a nurse friend or on social media. And click the subscribe button to stay informed of newly released episodes. You can also visit and share the links below in the show notes for more information on nursing resources and the Functional Medicine for Nurses course offered through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine.